There are many people over the last few days as we've been coming into 2020, people making their New Year's resolutions. And I've never been one to be against resolutions. I've seen down through the years as you know, people come out against resolutions, um, whether they even be leaders or just regular folk. Some, some leaders will say, don't make resolutions. And some regular folk will say, I don't make resolutions because I only live up to them for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, and whatever side you're on, I've, I've, you know, I kind of see both sides on, on that. I've never really been one against trying to resolve to do better. I think that's a good thing. I think resolving to take, a, you know, as Pastor Dan said in that welcome, you know, we take a look at where we are in life and how things have been going, and we resolve to kind of do some things that we know we should be doing and maybe some things that we want to do. So people are making resolutions, the, 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 the regular ones, losing weight, uh, financial goals, um, maybe setting aside time for hobbies, friends, so on. Um, there are countless books and seminars geared toward building a better life. Um, you can see them all, you know, just out there. Um, many of them have some good stuff. There's some good stuff to consider about, uh, you know, living a great life, a good life, uh, pursuing your dreams, all those great things. Hey, there's some good things. Um, most of us know deep down we're not doing everything that we want to do. We're not totally living up to even what we have in our minds as to what we're uh, about. And so there's some good things that might spur us on towards being a, being a better us, right? So what are your resolutions for 2020? Don't, you don't have to say those out loud. Just think about what those might be, your resolutions for uh, a new year. And perhaps maybe I'll voice the question this way. What life strategy will you employ for 2020? Well, in, I want to take us to these couple verses in, in uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. In Thessalonians, Paul gives us, I think, in these couple verses that we're going to look at tonight, some instruction that amounts to a very good daily strategy for life. He gives us important advice for our everyday lives. Uh, and he then proceeds to tell us that these things that he tells us amount to the will of God for us. So they're not just good things, good advice, important things to consider, maybe things that you want to add to your daily life. No, these amount to the very will of God for your life. So... I want to stop before we dive in tonight, and I want to talk to you just briefly about the Word of God in the Christian life. The Christian is a person who follows after God, who follows after Christ, right? And we follow after Christ, and we look to His Word as our guide. And I have said this before, and I'm going to say, lay this groundwork here. The Word of God are the principles that the Christian lives by. And so a way to look at it is to look at it from the standpoint of like we're like a computer. If we're like a computer, our brain is like a computer. The word of God is the operating system. And there's a lot of Christians out there that are 
trying to, they're this person for God and whatever, and they're trying to do it, but they don't have the operating system. Uh, they've got some bugs in the system. They've got a, some viruses. They've got some malware, some all kinds of stuff is going bonkers. And I think when you look at your life, you want to look and say, hey, do I have, do I have all the updates? Do, have I been encouraged in the principles of God's word? And so I think tonight, these verses that we're going to look at are, are, man, they're foundational. They're those types of verses that we need to have at the forefront of our lives for living the Christian life day in, day out. So what does Paul say? We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. And Paul says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let me read it again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So let's look at these three things tonight that are the very will of God for us and be encouraged in them. First, be joyful. Be joyful. As believers, we should be joyful every day of our lives. You say, well, some, t- some days aren't joyful. Some days you wake up and you have that negative feeling. Maybe it's a feeling. Maybe it's an emotion. Maybe it's just, you know, some type of a darkness is creeping in. Maybe there's things that are happening happening in your life, at work, um, in your relationships, whatever it is, and those things that are happening are bringing about negative emotions. It doesn't matter. The command is still for us to rejoice always, to, to rejoice in the Lord. The word rejoice here is the Greek, it comes from the Greek word charis, actually has to do with, with grace. It's from the, 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 the root word for grace, and it means to be joyful, to be merry, to be glad. Now Paul, here writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, encourages the Thessalonian Christians, and because, we, because this word has been preserved for us, he's encouraging us tonight here in 2020, January 4th, 2020 in Melbourne, Florida, we're being encouraged to rejoice, to be full of joy. Why do we have this encouragement? Why do we have this admonition? Why does Paul need to remind us of this? Because Paul was very well aware, Paul knew human nature well enough to know that we need, as human beings, we need to be reminded of this fact, to rejoice at all times. Paul knew people get down. People get down. We get down. And we need a remind, reminder to be joyful. We can be joyful. We can rejoice every day, even in the face of things that would be, things that would be like, getting us down, in the face of trial, in the face of hardship, in the face of something that perhaps has happened as bad news. We can be joyful. 
This is the will of God for you, Christian. This is the will of God for you to, to rejoice always in the Lord, despite the circumstance, despite what is going on. Because the joy that we have in Christ, again, is a joy that Paul says in other letters and other places, it's unspeakable. It's beyond actually like trying to describe it. So here I am trying to describe something that is a joy unspeakable, right? And that means that this joy is not subject to bad circumstances. It's not a joy that's subject to down emotion, sadness. This is a joy that comes because we have Christ at the center of our lives. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've been given life in Christ Jesus, and for those reasons, we can be full of a joy that is not subject to our circumstances. Now, it's not to say that we can't be down. It's not to say that we can't cry tears. It's not to say that we can't have those moments. Jesus was a person that cried, right? Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, who was dead, even though I guess he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, but he still cried. He still cried. So maybe that even just John 11 is a picture for us. Jesus, who cried, was the one who was going to bring Lazarus to life because he's the resurrection and the life. And so we know that we have that same Jesus, that same spirit with us so that we can be in the face of even death, we can have the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. We need to be those types of people. We need to have joy because we have the Lord Jesus in our lives. And so the question is, do you have Jesus with you? Is Jesus in your life? Then you can have joy and you can rejoice. Now, there are those people in life that have just an uncanny ability to find the negative in life. You know, they just can find the negative quicker than you can snap your fingers. I mean, they're always perhaps down. They always seek the downside of everything. You know, there was a character in uh, one of the Disney, uh, I guess it was Winnie the Pooh, right? Eeyore? Eeyore, right? Now, some people are Eeyore, and sometimes you got to look at an Eeyore. I'm not an Eeyore. I, I'm, I'm like more like Tigger, okay? <laughs> you know? In fact, Tigger was my favorite uh, of the Pooh characters, Tigger. In fact, I actually have a, I had a Tigger stuffed animal. I think I lost it at Disney World back when Disney World opened in 1971. And uh, I don't know if I ever got my my, if I found another Tigger or somebody got me another Tigger, but I know that I have a Tigger, uh, you know, those little furry things that you put on your golf clubs. I have a Tigger uh, cover for my driver. And that's because I'm a Tigger, but some people are Eeyore. And sometimes Eeyore, now, now Tigger people can just be kind of just, you know, they're just like Tigger, Tigger. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they have joy either. They can be bouncing all over the walls and, and, and whatever. We're instructed whether it's, we're not talking about like just, uh, you know, excitement. He's not, he's not, he didn't say be excited. He didn't say bounce around. 
He said, rejoice, be joyful. So whether you're a Tigger or an Eeyore, if you're a Tigger, you need to be told to rejoice. If you're an Eeyore, let's bring it up a little bit. Let's rejoice. Let's rejoice in the Lord. And maybe this is something that's harder for the Eeyores of the world. You know, maybe this is something for the Eeyores of the world that they need to, to just, this is something, you know, we all have our thorn in the flesh, you know, and maybe for the Eeyore, it's like, oh, I got to rejoice. I got to rejoice in the Lord, you know? So this is something that we need to be encouraged in. It, it, we need to be encouraged. Um, there's, there's a famous quote I dug this out, uh, and it, it's actually by a famous, uh, I guess, actor, and I guess he did films. But I'll read the quote, and I'll tell you who said this. More than any other time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness, and the other to total extinction. <laughs> what a crossroads, right? Right? This was um, something that was said by Woody Allen, Woody Allen, right? And so he had a way of kind of putting things uh, very succinctly. Now, you can, be, you can have that type of perspective. You can be that, that, that could be the crossroads that you're looking at. But we're still encouraged through Scripture. We're still encouraged to rejoice in the Lord. The question is, how can I be joyful when I'm down. How can I be joyful when I'm down? Well, this is where we actually have a role to play to recognize that we're down and to encourage ourselves in the Lord, right? The, the, the writer of Psalms 42.5, he says this, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? And then he tells himself, Hope in God, for I, will, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Yeah. Why are you so downcast? So maybe the question is, we need to recognize if, it, if we are downcast. Recognize our condition. Recognize our state of being. And this is something that you can do daily. And I don't know if you're a person that is readily like surveying this in your life daily, but this is something that people are... And you can look at, you know, all I told you about these people that have these life strategies and looking at their situations. This is something that is on the forefront of what people are looking at. And you can get up every day and you can survey your, your state of being. You can look at it. Hey, am, am I up or am I downcast? Do, do, am, I, am, am I ready to rejoice or is, or is there something bothering me? Is there some, some negativity, some negative emotion? Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? And why are you disquieted? Ask the question. Ask the question. And then here's the answer to whatever the question is. There may be a good reason. There may not be a good reason. Sometimes we don't have a good reason. Sometimes we don't know why we're feeling downcast in our, in our soul. We're just, we wake up, you know, they, they talk about waking up on the wrong side of the bed, Right? Oh, he must have woken up on the wrong side of the bed. Maybe you do know. Maybe it's a ready answer to the question. But whatever the answer, the real answer 
to the situation, your situation, is what the psalmist says next. Hope in God. Put your hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Look to God. Let God be the, as Moses said, the glory and the lifter of your head. What's that? If you are downcast, it's a downward position of your face. And that's why God wants to be the glory and lifter of your head. Because if you want the countenance of God to shine upon you, if you want what was the priestly blessing, the ironic blessing to be true of you, that the, the glory of God would shine upon you, then you've got to allow him to lift your head, to lift your face. Your face has to look to the Lord so that his countenance can be upon you. And it really comes down to putting your hope in God, putting your hope in God. You may be sitting there and you are feeling negative. It's a negative emotion. You can't quite put your finger on it. And right then is the time, Christian, where you need to just put your hope in God. Think about the Lord. Think about the goodness of God. Think about his glory. Think about his power. Think about who he is. Put your mind on God and let his countenance be upon you. And when you begin to dwell upon the goodness of God and, and allow him to lift your head, his countenance is going to come upon you. The glory of God is going to come upon you. And I believe that that countenance of the Lord is going to change the dynamic of your situation. I've seen this happen to me. Sometimes I have, you know, you can recognize right away. You wake up and it's like, oh, oh, it's one of these days? What's going on? Oh, what do I need to do? Why so downcast? Oh, my soul. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Well, you see, now, here's what'll happen. Some people say, well, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just feel downcast. I'd rather just feel downcast. Okay. Well, that's your choice, but you don't have to. You can put your hope in God. You can hope in God. Um, because when you hope in God, the joy of the Lord is going to be readily there. When you put your hope in God, when you put your hope and trust in Almighty God, the joy of the Lord is going to be there. When Nehemiah helped bring, he brought back a remnant of people to build the wall in Jerusalem, right? They were, they were told, remember, Jerusalem was in a ruins. It was just in a desolate ruins. There was, the city was destroyed. The walls were destroyed. And Nehemiah had the burden from the Lord of bringing back a remnant that was paid for by the Persians. They financed the trip for a remnant to come down and build the wall. And they built the wall, amen? And after they built the wall, they gathered the people and they read the book to the people, right? They literally, if you read Nehemiah, this is the first place in Scripture where you actually have a pulpit. This is the, the, where there's a pulpit. And they put a 
they put a stage and a pulpit together and they get up before the people and they read the word of God to the people. And the Bible tells us that the people, when they heard the Bible, when they heard the word of God, they wept. They wept. They hadn't heard this in a long, long time. They wept. And I want to read you right after what the what they said to the people. In Nehemiah 8, 10, you can read Nehemiah 8 if you want. It's a great chapter. But it says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so when you put your hope in God and you allow him to be that glory and lifter of your head, the joy of the Lord's going to come in and he's going to bring you the strength. You say, I don't have the strength to, be the, to, 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 to have the joy of the Lord. Well, put your hope in God. God's going to give you the joy and the joy of the Lord is going to give you the strength. It's going to be your strength. The joy of the Lord. He's going to bring his joy into the center of your life. And if you've got the Holy Spirit, if you've got any ounce of the Holy Spirit in you, you are going to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Secondly tonight, first he says rejoice in the Lord. Second, pray continually. Pray continually. Another thing we should do every day in our lives is pray. We should, and prayer is really just our communion with God, right? It's our, it is our relationship with God. It's been said that prayer is your relationship with God because it's through prayer that we communicate with God. And we want to be in communication with God every day. And that's why Paul here, he says, pray continually. He actually says, pray without ceasing. Now that seems like a difficult task there. He says, pray without ceasing. And pretty much when you hear that, you think oh, I'm off the hook because there's no way I'm going to be able to pray without ceasing. I'm just giving myself a free pass on that because I don't know that anyone could do that. Who is it that could pray without ceasing? Well, let's take a look at what is really kind of behind what Paul is saying here in this idea of pray without, prayer without ceasing. Now, one of the things that if you look into the prayer when you know, the disciples said uh, to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray, right? Te Lord, teach us to pray. And so then Jesus gave them the model prayer. And, and, uh, and so we pray, you know, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all the way through, right? There's an idea as you as you pray, that when you get up to pray the, the, from prayer, the prayer doesn't stop, but now because you've prayed for the will of God, you've said not your will, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because you've now prayed that, you have now become a part of the process with God of bringing about the answer to that prayer as you begin to live out your life you are now living out your life as an answer to the prayer. 
So we become, a, our life literally becomes a prayer continually for the will of God to be done in our life, in our family, in our surroundings. And so it was Keith Green who wrote the song, let my life be a prayer to you, right? Let my life be a prayer. So that prayer doesn't stop when the amen is said. That's when it's just beginning because now we're engaged with God to be those vessels that carry out the will of God. And you can start with rejoicing every day, amen? You can start with rejoicing and you can go from there. Now, the other idea uh, that we see here, this idea of prayer without ceasing, is the adverb for without ceasing was used in Greek for a hacking cough. And so I can actually very much relate to this right now because I have just overcome a hacking cough over this last week. It's been terrible. It's been terrible. Just ask my wife. Just ask my kids. It's a cough. It's like getting rid of it. I don't want to get gross or anything, but it's, it's, it's gross, right? But you've got this cough. When you have this thing in your throat, what do you, what's a cough? A cough is there to clear the clear your throat, to clear your air passage so you can breathe, so that you can do, live, right? So when the need arises, you've got to cough. And that's this idea of pray with, prayer without ceasing. When the, when the need arises, we go to prayer. We're, we've prayed for the will of God. We've risen from prayer to continue in that prayer of our lives. And when the need arises again, when the cough is there, we cough. When the prayer need is there, we pray. And so we're in this, this idea of praying without ceasing in our lives. Amen? And so we have this communion with God. We are people that go to the Lord in prayer. We're people that go to the Lord. We're people that have a direct line to the throne room of heaven. Amen? You know, it, it was interesting too because, you know, and, and, and it, this doesn't happen too much anymore. I don't know why, but people, when I first got into the ministry and I was a pastor and everything, there was this, you know, people say, oh, he's a pastor. You know, he's, he's, he's closer to Jesus, right? He's closer to God. He's got a direct line. And people will say to you, you know, Put a, put a good one in for me. Put a good word in for me, right? <coughs> See, there's the cough, right? So, <clears throat> but, but, but Christian, you, you can put a good word in, amen? You have that direct line. You have that direct access. And, and, and so that's what our relationship with God is. It's just, it's just living life like that. <coughs> Amen. Amen. Now I've got a now I've got a hacking cough. I'm coughing without ceasing. This is actually like, you know, a real live demonstration of what this word is about. Um there will be times in our lives and in our day where we need prayer. Where the near, the need for prayer will present itself. <coughs> so we need to pray. I want to put a verse on, of scripture on the screen. Excuse me. I'm really living out this message right now. <clears throat> Amen. It's all God. It's all Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Psalm 55, verse 16. It says this. As for me, 
I will call upon God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Now, Christian, this is a verse of scripture that should be the, the confidence of your life. This should be the declaration of your life. As for me, I will call upon the Lord. Nobody else may be calling upon the Lord around you. Nobody else is calling on, on the Lord in your circle, it, 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 with the friends group, at the, at the office or wherever it is. They're all doing their thing. But as for me, because I'm not, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm someone that has a relationship with Jesus. And so this is the declaration of my life. As for me, I will call upon the Lord. Some people might not know what to do when things go wrong. Some people might not know what to do when uh, trouble rolls in and the enemy comes in like a flood. But I know what to do because I'm a believer and I have a principle in my life that says this, as for me, I will call upon the Lord and the Lord shall save me. I have a belief, I have a hope, I have a trust in my life that no matter what happens, I call on the Lord and the Lord will save me. And even if this body is broken down to the point where it, it shuts down and no longer works, I know that God is taking me into the very presence of Jesus. Amen? And so I have a principle in my life that I live for. You see, Christians live according to principles. We live according, think of those principles as those lines of code in the database of the operating system of your life. And this is one of those principles that I have. As for me, I will call upon the Lord and the Lord shall save me. Look what he says in verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon. What's he saying? Don't matter what time of day it is, <laughs> right? It could be in the morning, it could be in the evening, it can be at noon on lunch break, or wherever you are, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. This is, this is the belief of the believer. This is the trust that we have in Christ, in God. And this is why, if you understand this, then you can understand why you would want to be a person that is praying without ceasing in your life, that is quick to pray is, and to go to the Lord in prayer. Amen? And the last thing Paul says, verse 18, look back at it. He says, in everything, give thanks. And then he sums up it all by saying, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. Paul encourages us to give thanks in everything. Well, it seems like that this list is just a, it seems like a simple list, a simple message, but it seems like a bunch of stuff that's impossible. <laughs> Rejoice all the time in the face of whatever the circumstance. Yeah. Wow, how do you do that? Well, we talked about how to do that. Pray without ceasing? Well, how do you do that? That doesn't sound like that's even possible. Well, we talked about how that is possible. Give thanks in everything? Well, wow, you lost me now. This has really gotten to the point of just outright difficulty. How can I give thanks in everything? There are circumstances and situations where it's very hard to give thanks. But yet, 
we're, we're encouraged, we're, we receive this admonition to give thanks in everything. Now notice, it doesn't say give thanks for everything. It says give thanks in everything. And so we, we, you don't have to go out there, oh God, thank you for this flat tire. Oh God, thank you that I got fired today. Oh God, thank you for this hacking cough and this, you know, I've been up all night and I can't sleep. Thank you, God. No, but in everything, give thanks, right? In everything, give thanks because we know that God is in our life and he, he knows all of our days. He knows, he, he knew us in our mother's womb when he formed us in our mother's womb and he knit us together and he called us as, as we learn about Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah was called in, in, my mother, in your mother's womb. I knew you and I called you to be a prophet to the nations, right? So we know that God's, he knows everything about us. He knows all of our days. He's got all of the, he, the, the hairs on our head. He's got them all counted, right? And even those guys that don't have any up there, he's, that, he's, got, he's got that figured out too, right? <laughs> even though we can count that, right? But he knows everything about us and he's involved in our lives and he's directing our paths and he's directing our steps. The steps of the righteous are ordered by God, amen? And we know this, Romans 8, 28, right? Put it up on the screen. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, right? Now, now this is a verse of scripture that gets quoted a lot, and it's one of those verses that, that you need to be careful with some of these verses. We explained, uh, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We explained that the other day. This is another one where you have to be very careful to understand exactly what it's saying. And we know that all things work together for, for the good for those who love God. In other words, God is working in every situation and every circumstance in your life, and he's working it together for your good. He's working it together for your good. To those who love God and are called according to this, his purpose. So there's, a, there's kind of a condition. It's a conditional uh, idea here that if you're called and you love God, then God is working in the circumstances and the situations of your life. So this really changes your perspective. So that when the flat tire does happen, that you can say, oh, well, I'm just gonna give you thanks right now, Lord, because you've got a, you've got a reason for this. You're gonna work this together for my good. You're gonna work in my life in this situation. When that does come down, perhaps you do get laid off at work or you get moved around into a different situation that you're, not, that you're not excited about. God is working in that situation. God is doing different things in our lives. And we've got to look to him to see uh, what things he's going to do, how he's going to work in that situation. As a Christian, we need to be looking for the activity of God in our lives. Okay? So this is something that as you go through 2020, that you need to look for the activity of God in your life. What is God doing in your life? When something happens, it's not necessarily God did it. Sometimes stuff happens, other people do stuff, but God's work, God's gonna work in that situation. God, because, because you're in his will. 
you're rejoicing every day. You're in communion with him. You're, you're, you're the one that cries out morning and, 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 and evening and at noontime and, and, and has that trust that God's gonna save you. And, and you have that confidence that God is gonna intervene in your life. And so we know that God is working in all things, working all things t- together for our good. Amen? Now, the word for thanks, he says, give thanks. The word for thanks in the Greek here is a, a f- familiar word to some of you who grew up perhaps in a Catholic environment. Anybody gr- uh, grow up in, in, a, uh, in Catholicism or anything like that? Yeah. The word for thanks here is actually the word Eucharist. And the Eucharist in uh, Catholicism, of course, is the communion, right? So you'd come and the Eucharist is you come and you receive the elements of the bread and the, and the cup, right? So, how, so what's the connection? Because when we come to the table of the Lord, when we come to um, the table of the Lord that is a reminder for us, is a, is a memorial for us of what Jesus did for us on the cross at Calvary. His body was torn, his blood that he poured out and was shed for the remission of our sins, for the covering, for the atonement, right? When we come and we partake of that, part of our uh, role in that is to remember what Christ did, and as we're remembering, what are we doing? We're giving thanks. We're giving thanks. I mean, Christian, if we're remembering what God has done for us on the cross through Christ, we're giving thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came into this world. Thank you, Jesus, that you carried the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you carried and took upon yourself the burden of my sin. And, 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 and man, I, I've thought about it. We used to sing a song, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross. Remember that song? That was like a, a, the bridge to one of the songs we used to sing. And uh, every time we used to sing that song, it was like, oh, wow. Just, I'll never know. I'll never know. Because to even contemplate the, 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 the atoning work of Christ to... to to take upon himself the sins of the world, to become sin. He who knew no sin became sin. And so we give thanks. And so this is where this whole thing for this life strategy ties right into the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that when we're giving thanks, we're giving thanks to the one who is our savior who died on the cross, who gave him himself, who poured his life out for us. He was in every way, every single one of those offerings. He was the Passover lamb. He was the, 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 the drink offering that was poured out and spilled out for us. He was in every way. And so, wow, when I come face to face and I'm reminded in giving thanks to Jesus, when I give thanks to Jesus, man, suddenly whatever the problems are, don't seem to be as big in the face of my Savior who took upon himself the sins of the world and has got me in the center of his plan and of his will. And so whatever the circumstance is, I can certainly come back to give thanks and come back to the cross and come back to the giving of Jesus, of his life. 
and his shedding of his blood on our behalf. And so in every situation, no matter how devastating, no matter how tragic, no matter how mundane, maybe it's just a boring day. <laughs> we like to think of give thanks in the, you know, when you're riding high and hey, if you have one of those super really bad days, give thanks. You know, sometimes there's just days that are just like this. You know, the French would say, come see, come saw, right? Come see, come saw. You know, so maybe it's one of those days. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Amen? Amen. We need to give thanks in all situations. So rejoice, be full of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's why he said it in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I said rejoice. He had to say it twice like that to the Philippians because they were undergoing some severe persecution, right? So if you know that letter to the Philippians is about being encouraged in the joy of the Lord. So when he wrote it to the Philippians, he said, rejoice in the Lord always and again. I said rejoice. To the Thessalonians, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Be full of joy. Pray without ceasing. Live your life in direct communication with God. And as you get up from prayer, you're continuing in the prayer because your life is now a prayer to the Lord. Amen? Because you're in concert with him and bringing about the will of God. And you're giving thanks in all things, being reminded on a daily basis, whatever the situation is, of the gospel of Christ.